I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the guy over there. Well, you can't see him, but he's Greg Cott. And if you want to be the first to hear our bonus podcast, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon. As you know, we have so much music we are always eager to talk about. We've started these additional bonus Desert Island jukebox podcasts uh, so we can chat about a song we can't live without. Mr. Cott, you have a song to add today. Give us a hint about what it is. Jim, I am going to pay tribute to actually two. It's going to be a twofer this oh, week. Oh, I love uh, that. Two giants of soul that I'm going to pay tribute to. You love the soul. I'm eager to hear those. We'll hear more in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we are back. Greg, it is sad that we have lost these two giants, but the music will be, I dare say, immortal. I, I believe so, Jim. It certainly is immortal with me, referring to Betty Davis, who died February 9th at age 77, Syl Johnson, who died February 6th at age 85. I want to talk about both of them, not necessarily household names, but I think for me, very, very influential artists, with their, especially with their recordings in the 70s. Betty Davis, man, she was ahead of her time. You know, it's one of those perverse ahead of their time. Finally, the times will catch up with her, and that's what happened. There's been a book, a documentary, an additional album that came out in recent years celebrating what she accomplished in the 70s on her first three studio albums. Those futuristic outfits, you know, she looked like a cosmic warrior, but <laughs> yeah. her music was Those so, album covers, man. Yeah. Wow. But her music was so earthy, so gritty, mm-hmm. so overtly sexual, you know? Mm-hmm. That voice, growl, her lyrics seething with lust. I mean, this was a woman who wanted it all. You could yeah. feel it in the way she presented her music. And she wanted it on her terms. Absolutely. Betty Mabry, as she was born, she started out in 64. She had a single out, moved to New York in the late 60s and became part of that scene, very important part of that scene as a tastemaker, as an influence. She palled around with Sly Stone, Jimi Hendrix, Andy Warhol. Miles Davis married her. Yeah. They were married for a year. A lot of people attribute Miles's conversion, if you want to call it that, to jazz fusion, to funk in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, that On the Corner record, yeah. which some people at the time hated, now has become one of the most revered albums in Miles' catalog. A lot of people attribute that to Betty Davis's influence on Miles. Mm. You don't have, in a silent way, you don't have Bitches Brew without Betty Davis's influence. She recruited, you know, one of her pals, Sly and the Family Stone producer Gregor Rico, to help her make her debut album, which came out in 1973, self-titled. There was two more after that. They were all commercial stiffs, all amazing records. Mm. The influence that those records have had. How many times have I heard those records name-checked? You know, Janelle Monae, Iggy Pop, Erica Badu, they all talk about the diversity, Betty Davis. The diversity know. on that list is testament alone. Indeed. And the last time I interviewed Prince, Prince got into this habit of like when I would go interview him at Paisley Park, he would want to play records that were like he was just, you know, grooving on. Yeah, he was excited about and he played me this track that I'm going to play next, this Betty Davis track. And he said, this, this is what I was always aiming to do. Yeah. And I have to admit, at the time that I did that interview with Prince, I wasn't overly familiar with Betty Davis's stuff. I mean, mm. I, I knew of it, but this was like my, okay, this is the real I'm deal I'm just going to insert, I love the humble brag here. <laughs> you know, you and I get together once a week, and we're essentially playing records with each other. You know, when I was hanging with my friend Prince, and he was yeah. playing me records, I'll let you get away with it. He wouldn't let me be his friend, but he was, uh, <laughs> he was an influence, for sure. He wouldn't um, let you... 
yes. record the interviews. Right. You had to take longhand notes. That's right, notes. scratching the notes down. But I'll never forget him playing this track. And if I'm in luck, I might get picked up. Mm. First song on Betty Davis's first album from uh, 1973. <laughs> If I'm in luck, I might get picked up in tribute to the amazing artist, Betty Davis. How old was she? Age 77, 77. February 9th. She passed away. What a life. What an influence. Number two artist here, Syl Johnson. You know, another, not necessarily a household name, but man, what a character. I will say that I, I dare say there's an entire generation that knows his samples, even though they don't know his name. Correct. I think he is better known for the samples. He was a mainstay on the Chicago label Twilight slash Twinight, which it became known as in the 60s and then recorded a bunch of stuff for High Records, which was Al Green's mm. label in Memphis in the 70s. But as a hip-hop influence, he's probably even bigger. I mean, he's been sampled by everybody from Snoop Dogg to Kanye West. And he once told me this story, how proud he was of the hundreds of thousands of dollars he made because he was sampled multiple times by Wu-Tang Clan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he says, this is Wu-Tang money, buddy. Yeah, you know? It's like he was so proud of that. He was glad to get paid for it. Yeah. As long as you paid him, he was fine if you sampled him. Well, and good for Wu-Tang for, yeah. for recognizing him. Absolutely. A 67-track Different Strokes was in particularly loved by artists. And the thing about Sill, we moved from Mississippi to Chicago in the late 50s, and he was very versatile. He could do James Brown. He could do straight-up soul. He could do blues. His brother, Jimmy Johnson, was a great bluesman in Chicago mm. for a number of years. He just died recently as well. So Sill was eclectic in that regard. When you think about how how do you improve upon Take Me to the River? He yeah. covered that song. Al Green was his friend. <laughs> yeah. He says, I'm going to cover that song. How do you improve upon it? How do you do a different take on it? And you don't necessarily improve upon it, but he brought his own distinctive style to it by to make it your fronting own, yeah. it with that harp intro, that yeah. blowing that harp through that song, gave it a bluesy vibe that Al didn't have in his version of that song. So he was an innovator. He didn't screw around. He prided himself on having his act together. I asked him, when you look at this Numero group, a Chicago-based label put out a... Yeah beautiful anthology of all his recordings. Lovingly packaged, as all their stuff is. Right. And the album cover has still kind of staring down at the camera. And I said, what was that guy thinking? What was going through his mind when that picture was taken? And he goes, that's a guy who didn't drink, who didn't smoke, who didn't chase women, who was never very far from music. I was good, like Obama. He was, <laughs> he was a community organizer, right? I knew how to organize. You couldn't organize and be a whiskey head, you know, mm. and it was that kind of mm. sensibility. He was a great multifaceted artist, but he was also a good businessman. He was very proud of that, that he took care of business. And his career, he had longevity, he kept making music up until his final days. I want to play a track that, to me, is one of the signature tracks of Syl Johnson's career, but also one of the signature tracks of the civil rights movement. You think about all the great Chicago artists that emerged in the 50s and 60s and became the voice of the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whether it was Curtis Mayfield or the Staples Singers. Syl was right there with him, and this is that track, Is It Because I'm Black, from 1969, by the great Syl Johnson on Sound Opinions. Mama, she worked so hard To earn every penny Yeah, yeah Oh, Lord 
something is holding me back uh-huh. Is it because I'm black? Is It Because I'm Black by Syl Johnson, a great, great track, Greg, and uh, fitting tributes to both Syl Johnson and Betty Davis. Thank you for that. That's it for this bonus episode. If you've got thoughts on this episode or anything we ever do, start a conversation in our Facebook group or leave a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our intern, Mary Bernthal. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Thanks for those tributes, Greg. Absolutely, Jim. Thanks for listening.